The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Ooh, we got ourselves a show. We got ourselves quite a little production for the next hour, and we are so thrilled to have you joining us. Our guest coming up later in the show, excited to have Michael Massey joining us. A terrific musician has got a really powerful memoir out called more about his life in music his uh, path recovering from an alcohol addiction it's going to be a really heavy powerful subject matter all about slaying demons something that many of you indie creators are no stranger to slaying your own demons it's going to be quite a discussion don't go anywhere for that it's going to be one heck of a show before we bring that gentleman on let's bring on a terrific lady elisa rock doc is our co-host this week how are you Happy International Women's Day, everybody. I was just about to wish you the inner happy international of the Women's Day as we record this. You done beat Hi. me to it. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing so. I'm overjoyed to see you. This, this whole like having the coterie of co-hosts and just like seeing them every four weeks. Like when I when I do see you, it's like I haven't seen you in six months, and I'm just so happy to see that the fire engine red hair and the oh. kazoo and the amazing insights you bring every four weeks. It's, it's going to be a blast. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. If you, if, if all, all y'all watching at home can see me dart my eyes uh, to the right hand side sometimes. And that's because my cat is having a particular interesting time this full moon. <laughs> well, as you know, and as our viewers and listeners know, we have an open door policy when it comes to pets. If they jump yeah. into the camera, if they knock over equipment, it only makes the show better. <laughs> right, I mean, cool. if, they, if 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 Ruby kills the internet connection, we may have a problem. But anything short of that is going to be welcomed here, Elisa. Before we get kind of into the meat and potatoes of some of the music lot and music industry, entertainment industry topics, including our AI overlord tip of the week that we have. Ooh. I wanted to just invoke a little personal privilege here. Talk about something that's going on with me and to get your perspective as both as a sociologist, a, a mm. student of kind of viewing society and yeah. also as a college professor and somebody who's Ooh. been professing at the college level for much longer than I <laughs> wanted to kind of get your thoughts on something that's been rolling through my head. And this is going to sound like kind of a brag on my part. And I want to like inoculate myself uh -huh. against that a little bit in advance. It mm. is going to be that slightly, but that's really not what I want to do with this. Okay. So I had my faculty evaluations a couple weeks ago and I got the results today. Now, before I kind of tell you what they said, I want to tell you what my fear was, because this is my first semester teaching at the University of Miami in which I have taught a live class since before since before the pandemic. Right. So I used to teach lot, nothing but live classes before the pandemic, mm -hmm. live lectures at the college level, having the students yeah. face to face. Then the, the pandemonium happened. <laughs> and when I started to get back into teaching, it was exclusively online. It was online classes mm -hmm. where I'm not actually looking at students in the face. Sometimes we do Zoom, but for the most part, I'm just reading text off a screen, doing modules, things like that. It was only this semester was my first semester getting back in front of the students again. And I was nervous. I was, it was, my muscles might've atrophied there. Oh, that was my wow. biggest fear. Cause for me as a live lecturer, like not to toot my own horn, that's what the sound effects board's for. I, I'd like to put on a little bit of a show. I'm cracking jokes. I'm wearing costumes. You're I'm singing songs, language. whatever I can do to like, make it a production. And yeah. I, I pride myself on, on what yeah. I am as a lecturer yep. and, and I'd bring it. And, and like the students responded in kind, I would get 
provoke thought provoking questions from them. They would be excited. I'd get the highs. I'd get the lows when I'd bring in guest speakers. They'd ask the guest speaker great questions. And so I was surprised with this semester when I came back into the classroom again and I felt like I wasn't getting that same reaction from the students. Wasn't like, hitting. Yeah, it wasn't hitting. Exactly right. A lot of blank faces, a lot of like, you know, any questions, cricket, cricket, cricket. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, really just having to like pull teeth to get students to talk to me. And I'm and the whole time I'm thinking, God, I've lost my fastball as a lecturer. Uh-huh. This is, you know, whatever magic I had, I left it in the 20, you know, 10s. Yeah. And this new teaching world, like I, whatever it is, I'm not connecting with the students anymore. No juice. And so when the evaluations came back, I was expecting a disaster. And thankfully, the evaluations were fine. They were, you know, like actually quite good for what I would have expected. Mm-hmm. You know, students were like, you know, most of the students were like good enough, but too I had a f- many assignments too well, yeah. difficult to grader. Oh, they, yeah. they certainly had, you know, questions about the material. But for the most part, like all of the evaluations of me as an instructor were either good and, and a sprinklings of like, you know, what, uh, you know, very good. Okay. And and so I'm I'm trying to piece together what happened here, because if you evaluated me based on the look on my students faces every week of the semester, you would think like I'd be at the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering what happened here. And my first hypothesis, and I want to run this by you, is, as I said before, this is my first live lecture since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if the pandemic has had something to do with this. We all went through this traumatic experience and students were no stranger to it. And I think when you go through this stuff, when you watch loved ones go through COVID, something you're losing loved ones from COVID, I imagine for a lot of students, it makes them just sort of say, what's the point in the grand scheme of things? Why does this crap matter? Like, yeah, I'm going to go through, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to your lecture, but I don't have to clap the whole time. Just oh. like, let's just get through this. I'm tired. You're tired. And it, like, is that what is happening here with my students? Do you think it's it's a whole bunch of things? I think there is definitely a, a nihilism um, that is a result. I think it's a lot of this generation seeing the system crumble as a result. And a lot of systems that and institutions that we thought had our best interests at heart. Um, a lot of them have turned out to be extremely exploitative um, and up to and including the education system. And what's the point, especially in, you know, chatting about student loans and like, what is the actual value of of a college education? Um, an increasing distrust in authority figures that represent those traditional systems. Um as well as folks, I think, just being desocialized, depersonalized, and I think becoming increasingly isolated, it's really, really hard to kind of, I mean, you thought you were feeling rusty. I mean, I think we all as human beings feel rusty vis-a-vis how to like interact with people. Personally, I'm still trying to like get myself to get out of the house. We're all out of practice in terms of being together, you know, and like, and like talking to people and, um, and also it, it has something to do with, um, I think maybe traditional delivery methods of information when you have like Hank and John green answering your questions relatively quickly about (laughs) science and the universe in 60 seconds or less or whatever on on something like TikTok, traditional education has to catch up because all of that only accelerated when everybody was at home. And so you're going to try to make kids read like Walden Pond or whatever (laughs) or something, you know, (laughs) in a world where so much is being... um, Uh, summarized and digested and fed out 30 to 60 to 15 seconds at a time with very little context or nuance. Yeah. A 90 minute thing might not hit the way it used to potentially. It's just tough. Cause like, I, I mean, I adore these students as like every student that's ever walked into your classroom. Like you, you, you fall in love with them and you just like, I just want them to know, like, I care. Like I, I give a damn. I know it seems like, 
nobody does and like we mm -hmm. don't have any reason to trust each other but like you know like this can still be what it used to be to be some extent it, and it 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 sucks when so much of everything we do from education to artistic creation has to be seen through the lens of what kind of like profit or value it produces yeah um and sitting in a classroom ain't gonna make me the money i need to feed myself or get by when rent is blah 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 blah, blah a month you know um and only increasing um and some folks are like why why am i gonna have these credits when like i i, I need to work i need to i need to start a life and you know maybe not buy a house <laughs> but but i'd somehow have to get through this and get some sort of an education and a lot of folks being raised with a well all well all you need is a college degree you'll be fine um uh, um and and folks that are in college now seeing us you know dealing with a lot of those consequences and kind of shrugging their shoulders and being like well what's the point um, and as a sociologist, um, and especially as as so many of 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 my courses are increasingly at threat of to and including my actual bachelor's degree that I have is in is in danger of disappearing um, oh. off of off of curriculum everywhere. Um, it's it's very increasingly important that like things like the humanities um, and things like sociology don't evaporate in the face of this idea that like, well, we, we have to teach the things that are going to produce the most value um, because this economy is suffering and we have to like, you know, you know, nobody wants to be a liberal arts major anymore. What's the point? And I'm like, ah, as a sociologist, you need sociology in order to look at the things that are happening around you and be able to see through the matrix, honestly, to, to some extent. Um, and it is, a daunting task to be able to look at those uh, systems and be like, well, what's the point? And then just kind of even be more of a nihilist once you end up taking a sociology class. But I think it is important that we know how we got here. We know what's happening to us as a collective so that hopefully we can work together to see our way out and see the value of learning about ourselves and learning about the world around us for its own sake and and not for someone else's bottom line. And I think <sighs> the only way that we and that was all very <laughs> was profound, like so by the way. <laughs> I think the only way we see our way out of this is to get back to kind of where we were beforehand. And I think that requires doubling or tripling down on getting in touch with our collective humanity mm -hmm. and so that's why we need to do the ai overlords tip of the week ah naturally who needs humanity when we have our ai oh. overlord Boy, I did Lauren so dirty there. I did not give her any heads up that we were changing segments. <laughs> Sorry, producer Lauren. Um, yes, it is time for the AI Overlords tip of the week. So, Elisa, we're going to do things a little differently this week. Oh. Uh, starting last week, we have begun to have a little fun challenging our AI Overlord chat GPT in giving us tips, right? When we... When we started doing the AI Overlord Tip of the Week, it was very simple. We just told ChatGPT that we are an entertainment industry podcast geared towards helping indie creators give us tips to help creators move their careers forward. Yeah. And it's been doing quite well with that. Just a bang-up job. But now we want to raise the difficulty level. Ooh. So last week what we did is we asked uh, the AI Overlord to... We gave it an acting prompt. We said, give huh. us the tip from the perspective of a burnt-out entertainment industry executive and it it did a capable job hmm. and so now we want to amp the difficulty level up even more where starting this week 
we are going to have the AI overlord give advice, but as part of the advice for the indie creators, it has to somehow shoehorn in a quote from a movie. What? Now, in honor of you, Elisa Rockta. Oh, God. I would, I, we're going to have our first AI overlord tip include a quote from one of your favorite movies, one of my favorite movies, the Tommy Wiseau masterpiece, ah. The Room. Oh, God. And so we have instructed the AI overlord to give us a piece of advice, but somehow get a quote from The Room into the piece of advice. Make mm -hmm. sense? All right, yeah. here we go. So here's our tip of the week. Don't let fear hold you back from pursuing your creative dreams. It's easy to get discouraged by rejection or criticism, but remember that every successful artist has faced setbacks and failures along the way. If you find yourself hesitating to take a risk or try something new, remember the phrase, you're just a little chicken, cheep, 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 and use it as a reminder to push through your fears and take action. Surround yourself with supportive people who believe in your abilities and, and uh, can provide constructive feedback. Remember that the creative process is often messy and imperfect, but that's what makes it beautiful and unique. By embracing your creativity and taking risks, you can unlock your full potential and achieve your artistic goals. So don't be a chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Take that leap of faith and it see where your creativity can that. take you. It doesn't say that. It doesn't actually say don't be a chicken cheap 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 and like take the leap of faith. It doesn't actually say that. I swear to God. Oh, I will show yeah. you the prompt. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this that, thing's too good know, at what it does. That could have that could have gone way more off the uh, and and I honestly the fact that they were able to make it to actually make it somehow work, I mm. Yeah. I, I I'm like I, I thought it was gonna because like last week it it sort of shoehorned the prompt a little bit because mm -hmm. last week we said to it give us this piece of advice as a burnt out former record executive trying to give us a, you know advice about the industry and literally the first sense of the answer was as a former burnt out record executive to give you perspective on the industry I was like that's lazy uh... I feel like this week it took our criticism and did a little bit better of a job of weaving it in, showing, not telling, you know? It's it's learning. It is. It's, it's learning by the week. But, okay, aside from how hilarious this prompt is, and, like, I want to keep doing this. So, viewers and listeners, if you have movie quotes that you want the AI overlord to include, let us know. Put something in the chat. Email us. Break the business at gmail.com. Tweet at us at the BTB podcast. I want theme song lyrics. Ooh, I like it. Like, like television theme song lyrics. Like, <laughs> hey, as long as we've got each other, <laughs> we've got the world spinning around in our hands. Embrace your creativity. Stand tall on the wings of your dreams. <laughs> well, see, see, it's, it's probably listening to us now and it just learned. It's this is yeah, we're going to have some fun with this, like join us oh, in this goodness. journey, viewers and listeners, so we can really put chat GPT to the test. But aside from how silly that is, it's still legitimately good advice. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just keep keep creating. Honestly, it's 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 kind of weird and sort of prescient because I've been kind of facing sort of that little bit of 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 struggle and kind of pushing through that fear of cringe myself. And creating my cheap, 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 cheap <laughs> in in my own content, um, and and trying to like push through that that like, and honestly, like maybe this is also the students' thing. It's so much easier to be perceived on a seemingly anonymous. You are blasting yourself out to name bunch of numbers, any countless number of people online that could come across your stuff on a for you page. But face-to-face -face connection is a kind of vulnerability that I think is is uh, is a little out of practice. Um, and I think even, you know, as, as a voice actor, I'm used to just being, like, by myself in a booth with no one submitting auditions to the ether. Um, and so, like, the idea of, like, putting things out there in a in a place where it, it will get perceived and judged, et cetera, et cetera, is, is something you have to kind of work through. Um, is that literally kind of what's inspired you to to literally get the band back together and work on your EP? Even though, like, I, I now I imagine yeah. the focus of most of your artistic work is voiceover, but 
before that you were a rock musician for many years and absolutely are, are you doing the music thing and, and trying to focus on that because you don't just want to be a little chicken cheap 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 and you want to no, literally i was i was scared of it because especially when it comes to like i am i am one of those folks that you know i'm sure you've had plenty of people on on this show describes themselves as like multi-passionate um, and multi-creative and I'm trying to embrace that side now where every time you know for the last however many years it's always been you have to focus on the one thing or else you don't want this one thing enough if you're doing all this other stuff um, and then that turned into like hey don't put all your eggs in one basket um, especially when it comes to things like streaming on twitch etc because like you don't want to monetize that that was sort of the thing in my head you don't want to monetize things you love and then get so burnt out that you hate them um and and the actual like work and business of of being an artist kind of sap you of your creativity um and so like in in kind of that flailing i've sort of been scared to scared scared to try again just well, just too scared to try again since but, we're but on honestly the, the thing that's getting me out of it funny enough that little comment that popped up is working on uh uh the down upright project which i swear to god is on its way <laughs> if you're still watching <laughs> we're still working on it we are literally a guitar solo and a couple of tracks of vocals away from sending this to you <laughs> nice <laughs> but it's been it's that that has honestly been a, a great fuel to the fire um and honestly just the idea of like i see so many people just doing the thing and then I have to get over what that fear is that prevents me from just like just jump in the pool along with them and swim. Um, I have to I have to remember that like uh, I've I, I've done this before and can do it again because uh, that's that's something that that the pandemic I think also sort of sapped is like is is not not so much self esteem because because you know I I didn't have a lot left of that but uh, more more like self efficacy is the big one is is your trust in your own ability to create and follow through with things um because sometimes you just don't have it um and then you feel guilty for not having it because you're supposed to have it because aren't you supposed to love this thing <laughs> um and then the cycle repeats until inaction is 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 all that you have to show for it so i'm i'm, I'm trying to basically like um, what what Evan says, and I'm going to drop an S-bomb here, so get ready. It's um, right through the bullshit mm. and just get all the shit out and, and, and release things that are not up to my standard. Because what do you keep telling me about my standards, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my standards are too high. Can you... Um, can you give yeah. us like a little career update? Like what's going on sure. with, cause I, we haven't talked in a while and I feel like, you know, something must've been booked by now. <laughs> Man, you'd think, um, no, but yes, actually it was uh, really, really exciting. Um, I got booked for a commercial with, um, it was, it was almost like a rebook in a way. Cause I booked with this client before, um, but I auditioned again and I booked again uh, for both an English and Spanish commercial, which is definitely something that was something getting me out of my comfort zone as someone who's bilingual, but I don't feel, quote unquote, bilingual enough. And I would hope that there are a lot of folks that I think can can kind of relate to that. Um, and and sort of sitting within that identity and being proud of it and being proud of, of my ability to, to deliver and my confidence um, and my ability to deliver Spanish in a room of strangers um, and be able to, to do it. Um, and it was an in-studio thing. It wasn't a remote thing. So that was, you know, again, really excited to just literally be in the room with people and, and get that real-time feedback and, and work towards producing something that was really really fun and it was for an educational client so i'm like hey <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i get it um and i just received um this like past couple of weeks the manuscript and submitted my first 10 minute sample of my next audiobook narration gig <gasps> which i'm very very excited about um i have a couple of young adult novels that i'll be narrating um, I don't know exactly when they're going to be coming out, so stay tuned. Um, but they're two young adult novels with two Latine, Latinx um, characters, protagonists, uh, both incredibly smart writers and everything. And it, and it kind of gives me great joy as I'm reading these books and I'm kind of tearing up a little bit. It's like these, I'm like, where, where were these? 
when oh. when I was a kid. Um, so as my as my as my snack alarm goes off. Um, so it, it feels really, really humbling and, and awesome to be able to narrate the books that I wish I had when I was a preteen. It feels really, really good. I feel like I would immensely enjoy an Elisa Rock Doc narrated audio book. Like, I mean, do, you, do you get to do like the different voices for the characters, yeah. but you also have like the neutral narrator voice? Yep. And absolutely, yep, yep. Uh, my my first audiobook was interesting because it was split in two characters, so two different narrators that eventually, you know, whatever spoilers, etc. Um, but so I was only reading half the book, so it was an interesting um, thing. So it's like neutral narrator from this character's perspective. You know, but then I would have to do characters for every other person that would have a conversation. That one was interesting because I had, I think it was like three sisters that I had to voice wow. uh, throughout the course of the book, in addition to like two or three other folks. And I was like, oh, this is, hmm, this is fun. But I will say I've had ringing endorsements. Um, Evan, uh, who is um, kind of like my, my first proto client. Um, he fell asleep um, when I would read him Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy sometimes. Um, he would fall asleep at exactly the same part every time. And I don't think he's ever finished it <laughs> because he keeps falling asleep <laughs> at the same part. So so if that's not a ringing endorsement of, of my narration capabilities, I don't know what is. <laughs> How is the experience for you narrating like in the studio? Because I, I narrated my Break the Business yeah. book and... To call it a nightmare would require a gift for understatement. Because I got into the studio and I was like, I'm going to bang this out in a day. You know, oh, like, no. like it'll be a long day, but, you know, we'll order lunch. And, like, it's my own words. How hard can it be? Oh, no. And, like, reading aloud is hard. And, I, and you feel really crappy about yourself you know, by chapter three, because you're like, why can't I read? Why am I messed? Like, these are my words. How am I mispronouncing them? And what we did, I don't know how you record when you're doing the audiobook, but like what we did is every time I would make a mistake, uh. I would clap and then it would spike in the track and then the producer would know like where the mistake was and then I would say it again and that's how I would edit. And like, I'm just... I'm just clapping along like a gospel song by the end of it because I just can't, I can't do anything right. And like, are, are, I hope you're better at this than I was. Uh, I don't mean to brag. <laughs> I don't mean to brag. I don't mean to boast. Um, but I did knock out a book in into like four hour sessions. What? Um, but wow. well, my my half of the book. I should have had you sessions. do my book. <laughs> hey, you know. Did 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 do a remix? You remix a book, it's a re-release, interpolation updated edition. Yes, <laughs> updated with all the latest tips and tricks. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like release like a variant cover, and I'll and I'll and I'll do do an updated audiobook. It's fine. But yeah, I I I actually did. This is um, my first time trying this audio kind of setup with an audiobook because the previous one was done in studio. Um, and so I was like, cool, I just got to like literally just sit here <laughs> with my tea and my water and then the book like here on my phone because I forgot my iPad. So I'm just like literally reading off the phone and just chilling for four hours and reading what I've done, I think because of some of the experience that I've had doing some video recording teleprompter work is instead of doing the claps and stuff, I think just it's more because um, future Elisa would hate me if I did that. Um, I flub and then I basically just sort of find like, you know, the the last paragraph and I just take it again. Um, so it, it feels like it takes longer on the front end, but it means that I'm more certain that I'll be happier on the back end and that I might not have missed something you know, like minute 15 into a 20 minute, you know, chapter or whatever, because that would suck. Yeah. So so like fixing, fixing those things, like as I notice them, I think and I hope is going to save me a lot of um, headache le later. But we'll see. I cannot. Is there any plan on like when the release date is for this? I would love very much to listen to this book. I don't know yet, and I don't know how much I can reveal, but maybe if you tune in next month for the 
Elisa Rock Doc <laughs> radio check in. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we need imaging for this. The I AI do. overlords have imaging. We need some kind of music for this. I need them. Is... I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll maybe maybe if I knew somebody who who played really really good guitar and could and could represent me fully. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I I'm that's that's literally my next email is going to be um, you know what's under NDA. When can I start talking about this? And also like, can I share? some like video and and start talking about my my process a little bit more more publicly because i think that would be fun i see people on tiktok all the time just doing live from the narration booth just as they're doing audiobook narration um how, how about this that because how about be, this like, this this might like let's make this a win for everybody okay okay can we get the author to come on the show we can have them join like i mean we'd love to have like an independent author talk oh, about God. their work you know what's it like interacting with the voiceover artist for the audiobook i mean that sounds like break the business material to me and in exchange maybe we get some nuggets about like you know things that you might not get if you were just getting publicly available information Beep. just putting Beep. that out there Tune in next month. There you go. Let's take a quick break. We're going to be joined by Michael Massey next. Don't go anywhere. Break the business coming right back in two minutes. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, you lovely humans, to Break the Business. Ryan Carella here with Elisa Rockdock on Sirius XM 145, all major podcast platforms, quite a few live streaming platforms, and you can probably check us out in Morse code or something. There's so many ways that you can experience this program, and we are grateful for each and every one of them. I completely forgot, Elisa, that the Oscars are this weekend, so by the time many people hear this on SiriusXM, the Oscars will have already happened, and we didn't, like, cover or break down any of it. And, um, you know, what what can we say? Like, you know, Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win a bunch of awards. Yeah. Um... And, you know, Banshees of Inishirin just shows that, like, you know, men will cut their fingers off instead of, you know, before they go to therapy. Yeah. Um, right. You know, things like that. I think we, all right, that, that, that about covers sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, poor whomever the host is. Oh, yeah. Talk, <laughs> the the <laughs> biggest no win situation oh. in all of entertainment hosting the Oscars. Rough. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest this week. He is an award-winning musician, songwriter, and producer. His memoir, More, detailing his life in music and path to recovery from an alcohol addiction, is available now. And you can find out more about his work by visiting www.mikemasseymusic.com. We are thrilled to welcome Michael Massey on a Break the Business. Hello, Michael. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. We are uh, thrilled to have you. First off, I would like to just say, I can empathize with the audiobook. I don't. I don't mean to hijack, 
but just while it's fresh in people's minds, yeah, you don't realize what an art form it is until you try to do it yourself. That's all I had to say. Did you have the same? So it sounds like you had the same experience that like I did, where it's like, all right, we've been in front of microphones for a great deal of our lives. We know how to talk. This is going to be a cinch. But it sounds like you had a similarly difficult experience that I did. I'm on chapter 30 of 111 right now. Short. They're short chapters. But it's got the Dan Brown thing going. But that's where I am. So quick chapters gives you a sense of accomplishment. I didn't well, mean look, to we all can't be pros right. at this, no, like Elisa. You're, you're, you're literally our guest right now. Please hijack as you wish. <laughs> okay. So, well, let's talk about this book since you brought it up and you are currently in the throes of trying to narrate it. <laughs> let's go all the way back to the beginning. What inspired you to want to tell your story? I imagine that it was not easy, given the subject matter, to kind of go back and revisit some of these memories. What what made you want to do it? What really made me want to do it is that I am currently successful. I've been successful for 29 years. And I want to show people that are in the, the depths of darkness that it is possible, that, that you can change your life for the better. And I wanted it to be a little bit entertaining and a little bit poignant, and a little bit funny and you know, I, I just told my story basically, but I've been a very fortunate man to have my wife Robin with me my entire life. And, and she's a, a big reason for my sobriety. And I, 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 I say that in the book quite frequently, but uh, the biggest impetus is to help people and to show people that it's possible. Can you take us to your, you know, your relationship with alcohol. Can you take us to the beginning of it? I think I heard you say in an interview once that your first drink was actually when you were very young and you were on a church trip, which <laughs> seems like an interesting uh, place to start this particular relationship. The first time I actually got drunk was on a church trip to Houston, Texas. I was a high school freshman going into my sophomore year. And uh, uh, it was a, a the largest Lutheran youth gathering in history at the Houston Astrodome. And I was in the choir and we took a trip down from Wisconsin. And uh, uh, we were in a dormitory outside San Antonio and a senior had smuggled some vodka. And uh, knowing, I mean, my family drank all the time growing up, but I wanted to get on that train. And so I did. I'm trying to, because I'm no stranger to the church trip circuit mm. when I was growing up. And I just remember how how much they watched you like a hawk every second of those things. I mean, that must have well, been quite a quite a sleight of hand to get that past those uh, prying eyes. I think I'm older than you are. Uh, I think that in 1972, they didn't really watch you like a hawk that mm. much. Oh, it's a different time. 72, yeah. Mm. 73. Well, yeah. To give the, the viewers and listeners some perspective of your struggle with addiction, can you kind of tell us what the lowest point was, you know, where, you know, what was the darkest moment with this? There were a lot of dark moments. I, I pretty much derailed my career in the music business by abusing alcohol. I had a lot of opportunities that I threw out the window by drink, over drinking uh, in my youth. But the, the, darkest moment was when my wife of only three years threw me out of the house and I was living with a friend of mine who was equally as bad as I was and uh, reaching under the bed for my bottle whenever I woke up or whenever I wasn't passed out anymore. Standing on his second second floor apartment, looking out the window into the parking lot, watching a car burn in the parking lot, flames shooting out of the car. I called the fire department, took them 20 minutes to get there, even though it was a block away because the neighborhood was so sketch. And uh, I realized that they were standing there with beers in their hands like it was entertainment watching a car burn. And I and and I thought to myself, what have you done? What how did you get here? It, It was it was like an epiphany moment that I opened my eyes and actually said, this is not the way you should be living your life. I mean, I had given up my marriage. I, my my career was in the toilet. So it was it was a moment that I can really look back on, on October 13th, 1993, 
as that moment I made the decision to stop drinking. And, and that I think is the absolute key is a mind switch to flip that switch in your mind and say, that's no longer an option for me. And everyone's switch is different. If we could find it, we would all be geniuses. But uh, I think everyone's got it. I think everyone's got that mindset and it's that simple and that difficult. Yeah. I was just about to say, right. Mm -hmm. The switch is probably very simple, but I imagined the journey back from addiction into sobriety, mm. even once you've made that decision, there's a lot that happens afterward. Can you tell us about that path to recovery from that moment? Well, from that moment, then I went home. Uh, four days after I took my last drink, I went into severe hallucinations. Um, I detail it in in the book. The, the ultimate one being three-foot trolls walking around my bedroom. Uh, yeah, I, I keep them fresh in memory. They, uh, they're, they're still there. They, they're, they help with sobriety. Uh, I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to take a shower. When I, when I'm through, take me to the hospital. I had enough left of my sane mind to know that I really, really needed physical help at that moment. Uh, she took me to the ER where I, have no memory of anything that happened beyond that point where I was singing, Hey Jude at the top of my lungs and I was having to be restrained. Uh, they filled me full of Haldol and Valium to slow my heart rate, to, to keep me alive. Basically I would have died from withdrawal had I not made it to the hospital that day, five days inpatient treatment and in intermediate care in the hospital, 15 days inpatient treatment, with it, New Start, which was a residential treatment center. And I never looked back. I knew that when I, I knew that I had made that decision, I knew it was going to be a rough road. And, and basically the first year I spent that I was sober, refinding myself, literally, literally finding my actual personality that had been mm -hmm. camouflaged for so many years. Yeah, I got to imagine that's difficult because it's almost like you're having to reintroduce who you are without this um, to, to even your loved ones. That's got to be difficult. Right, right. I, I'm really, really fortunate in that I was able to maintain the good qualities of myself mm -hmm. and get rid of the bad ones. Michael, why do you... And, and I actually kind of want to pose this question to Elisa as well, because if her perspective as a pop culture scholar, she might you know, know some history of this. Why do you think it is, Michael, that we hear so many stories about creatives struggling mm. with addiction? Is it that creative people are just at a higher likelihood of suffering from it just because of how they're wired? Or is there something about the path of creative pursuit that makes you more likely to encounter things that could cause you to become addicted to substances? I think that we are many creatives use substances recreationally for fun and to what we think is the expansion of our creativity. Um, and that's one of the, one of the biggest deterrents to getting sober for myself and many people that I've talked to is that you think that if you get sober, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose mm -hmm. that creative edge or that creative spark or whatever, whatever brings that creativity to you and nothing could be further from the truth. It is just the opposite. It really, really is. But to answer your question, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, songwriting and or writing a book or, and, or any, any artistic endeavor, you, it comes from within you. So whatever, whatever means you can use to further that process, I think that you try and, and there's a lot of trial and error in those things. Um, but, but the greatest creativity comes from a sober mind. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is that your creative output has only improved both in quantity and quality since you've gotten sober. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've never slowed down. I actually, I was a rock musician and, you know, 
glanced the brass ring with uh, record deals in the late 70s, early 80s. And the business was so much different then um, than it is now. But uh, um, now I, in 1994, when I came out, after the, my year of trying to recreate the humanity in me, I started a music business that is that. It is a business. I am, I am not a virtuoso on any instrument but I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. And I've, I've done advertising music. I've done, I've scored videos and films. I've, I've done eight albums of pop songs. I've, uh, I wrote a rock and roll ballet. I don't, there's nothing I don't know I can't do. So I, I just keep trying. What advice would you give to creatives out there who might be struggling with their own version of addiction, whether it's alcohol or whether it's some other substance, I mean, and they are listening to your story. They want to take that first step, that, that, that switch that went off. What, what could you tell them with the benefit of your experience? It's such a tough question. I wish that there was a, a, a hot button, you know, mm-hmm. that you could talk about. Everybody's situation is so incredibly different. Um, I think that if someone is really caught in the, the, the throes of alcoholism as I was, it's sometimes really even hard to see that you are, you're, you're, you're so, I mean, I was drinking to be normal. I wasn't drinking to get Mm -hmm. drunk. I was drinking to stop the shakes. I was drinking to, to function in the world. And if somebody is in that position, they know they are, and it's really got to come from within. But, but know that, that you are important and that you're worth it. You're worth making that change because if you are a creative and, and the world is waiting for what you're creating, the world wants what you're creating. The world wants a diversion and you can create that for them. Uh, I, it's something that I... I really need to work on as far as being, as far as answering that question more concisely for you. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't really delved into how to really come up with a, a sound bite that would be beneficial for people. And, so it just and sounds like which, what, what they need to do is check out your book and they can hear you explain that over a, a great deal of chapters because I don't want people to think that this interview mm-hmm. is the whole story. Like the, the book is going to really go deep into these things. And you had communicated earlier in this interview, and I'm sure this is well chronicled in your book, the role that your wife played. And from what you're, how you're describing her, she sounds like a saint among saints. I mean, you, when, when you hear yeah. the story, yeah. the, 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 uh, the stock, uh, you know, you know, tried and true story of rock musicians struggling with addiction throughout their life. Usually the spouse that's in the picture doesn't stay in the picture for very understandable reasons. And your wife stood by you, helped you through this entire time. Just, can you just tell us a little bit more about how amazing this human is? I I can't even, we don't have enough time. Really? Um, um, Robin is is the most remarkable, compassionate, intelligent, sweet person I have ever met in my life. When I met her on our first date, I went to my parents' house and told my younger brothers that I had just met the woman I was going to marry on our first date. So, uh, you know, being a rock musician, I, I there was it, it was just it was and it was the late seventies. So. Mm. I had a lot of experiences and, and meeting Robin, she was, she was every good quality that I had found with anybody I had been involved with all wrapped up into one package. Um, she has stood by me through everything. She threw me out of the house, first of all, with the tough love. And if she hadn't done that, who knows what would have been the trigger for me to, to quit drinking. I needed that, but she's also welcomed me back with open arms. And now we're, we've been married 33 years. We'll be married 33 years, April 12th, April 21st, excuse me. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those, those numbers get juxtaposed. Her birthday is yeah. 
It's not that I forgot my anniversary. Mm. <laughs> I got you. I got you. We're, we're uh, with you. That, she, yeah, yeah. She, she sounds incredible. I am. I'm so happy for you both for the spectacular relationship you have, and for the the demons you have slayed to get where you are. And you seem really happy and at peace, both as a person and as a creative professional. And that absolutely warms my heart. Before we get to our final question, Michael, uh, and I do want to give what people uh, another opportunity to check out MikeMasseyMusic.com so they can find out more about your book and about your music. I want to ask you one silly question. And okay. not silly because I happen to think it's important subject matter, and I know Elisa will as well because we are both huge football fans. But you apparently, uh, in your life, actually at the age of 50, tried out for a semi-pro football team. And again, Elisa and I, religious in our love of football. And so we need to hear how this yes. went down. Because the idea of a 50-year-old trying out for semi-pro football, that sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> well, I was playing in a piano bar. That's that's how every story starts, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> how every, every journey to football greatness starts with somebody at a piano yeah. bar. Yeah, yeah. Same thing for Joe Montana, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, and the owner of the team came in and was sitting around the piano, putting requests in or whatever. And, and we started talking football. And so I was telling him, well, I, I kick field goals for a hobby. And he's like, ah, oh, really? Sure. I said, well, yeah, I can, I can do 40, 45 consistently. And he said, really? Hey. I said, yes, I can. Now let me be clear here. My hobby is setting up the football and kicking it. <laughs> I, I had, yes yes but i will take four footballs i will kick them all then i will run and get them throw them back and then kick them again so it was like a little bit of a workout and, and it's just a hobby but i was pretty good i'm a lot better at it when i was younger than i am now but uh he said well we're looking for somebody all we need is somebody to kick extra points because we've got a field goal kicker that can do 50 you know yeah but we want somebody he's not that good at short at short distances. So I said, that's right. interesting. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. He must've just blasted or something. Mm -hmm. But so my daughters who at the time was about 2000. So my daughters would have been two and five. So I brought them along. We videoed the whole audition, audition, whatever. I don't know. If it's I mean, yeah. audition. <laughs> it's an audition. But, it's an audition. I, Everything's I an audition. It's the musical word for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he comes in with headshots. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't interview. I audition. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, fully. Uh, <laughs> uh, is this okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I had never done it with a snap and a hold and and uh, a bunch of guys that were six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds trying to block it. Yeah. So I I tanked it. I tanked it horribly. Oh but no! It just, but it was just a wonderful experience. I mean. Of course, then I went and kicked 45s after after that failed excursion. I was kicking 45s all day, you know. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like you just needed to get warmed up. If they had given you a I, few more kicks, we might have been able to watch you play. I think so. I think so. Man. But then, but then the joke was my guitarist friend, who has been my, my musician friend all my life, well, yeah, what if you would have joined the team and then the ball like Chester Markle for the Packers got kicked back into your hands and you had to run it. Oh, and then fractured all of your fingers. What would oh. happen then? So maybe it's best it didn't happen. I don't know. Yeah. Because you kind of uh, need those. What do we have to do to get a hold of this uh, <laughs> this tryout <laughs> tape, by the way? Oh, I, I have it. I have it. I, I have it. If, Love you, it. if you'd be so kind as to email that to breakthebusiness at gmail.com, I <laughs> promise to watch that privately and not put that out on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> okay. and air okay. it during our show. <laughs> that's that's tremendous oh. michael this has been uh you, you've given us the highs you've given us the lows you've taken us on a journey we very much appreciate it check out mikemasseymusic.com to find out more about our guest's work and his memoir more it's gonna be quite a read for you before we let you go michael one last question if you don't mind do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward I'm I'm sorry, Ryan. You you froze on me a second there. Could you say that again? Elisa, why don't you take a sure, try sure. at it? Um, 
Yeah. So the I'm, last I'm question that we ask all of our guests is, do you have any last tips for indie creators to push their careers forward? I'll tell you one of the most important tips that I would give. My daughter is a very, very successful indie in a very successful indie band right now. They're opening for Death Cab uh, tomorrow night in Berlin, last Yo. night in Oslo. Whoa. Um, Respect. But the big... The biggest advice, the, the, the most important advice I gave her is to be sincere and be mm -hmm. genuine, especially in the music business. I, Im, I, I just implored her to, and, and, and they're so lucky because the three guys in the band and my daughter, Emily, are all very naturally genuine and sincere, Midwest nice. And mm -hmm. it has taken them so incredibly far. It's unbelievable. They got to meet the people at Spotify. They got to meet the people at YouTube and they liked them personally. They mm -hmm. liked them as people. So therefore they got little boosts here and there. And mm -hmm. it has, their arc has gone up and up and up. And their second album is coming out in September and they're positioned very, very well in the industry. They're at about 70 million streams right now on Spotify. And uh, yeah, they're doing that well. Um, so that would be the most important advice I would give an indie creator is to be yourself and be friendly, be genuine. Wow. Great perspective, Michael. We've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for, for the honesty and the sincerity and, uh, you know, don't be a stranger, you know, come back on again as many times as you want. We'd love to hear from you some more. I sure will. Thank you so much for having me. So, so much. Yeah. You bet. And I'm in awe of Elisa's voiceover talents. Oh, thank you. Aren't we all? <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Michael Massey, everybody. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. We have to have him back on because I need to literally know everything about the process of writing a rock and roll ballet. Oh yes. We did. Oh, we forgot to ask him yeah, about that. We, yeah. we got to have him back. Ne have next him back. time. Well, yeah. yeah. Gives, gives us a, gives us a reason to bring him back on again. Just, Man, uh, an incredible story, and again, I I'm still in awe of his his amazing wife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> happy International Women's Day. Cup. Yeah, Happy International Women's Day, indeed. Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh, just uh, really really impressive stuff. Uh, next week we got uh, Rain Iris and Wendy Alfredson joining us. That's going to be an absolute blast. We got we got guests for days. I am so okay. excited for the guests joining us uh, going forward. A lot of really cool names that are going to share some fantastic insight with all of us and certainly the insight you have provided has uh you definitely brought this week i don't think we've talked yeah, about audiobooks on no. the show yet until this week we've uh, no. finally been able to start that a conversation oh it's 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 interesting right because i went from you know think i like my first major voiceover gig was a video game character and a talking gun um but <laughs> everything since then has been kind of on more like the commercial audiobook narration side. And it's really interesting because I feel like that kind of is a perfect place where all of my interests and the ways that my voice has been trained kind of congeal into one. So the over-enunciation from musical theater, <laughs> the over-enunciation from teaching, um, plus a little bit of that acting and kind of teaching sauce make it so that hopefully I can read to you in a way that is both clear and entertaining. Um, and I'm looking forward to being everybody's soundtrack for when you're doing the dishes or <laughs> doing whatever it is that you're doing. Um, that, that, that part excites me. I like the idea of being that kind of, um, that kind of bard, a different kind of bard. I do think you are an unusually good fit for that kind of media. I don't know why it never occurred to me before, but like your voice is pretty perfect for audiobooks. And well, so I'm and this is where Elisa starts to deflect and well, that's actually pretty good. You just get you just gave a solid thank you that time. I thought for sure you'd be like, no, no shut up. No, one of one of the things that I'm doing uh, you know, on, on this International Women's Day is I'm actually starting to do that thing where I look at myself in the mirror and go, Hey, you know what? You're not so bad. You kind of kick ass at, at at this stuff, and hey, you know some stuff. You got a Good few pieces you. of paper That's... that prove that. Um, I'm, I am, I am, I, and and honestly, you know, like like going, you know, 
with the with the wherewithal and gusto of a of a mediocre white man. Like I'm it basically I, I have to be like, hey, I'm actually I am I am talented. I am good at this. Otherwise I would not be getting booked. People said yes to you for a reason. That's 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 another thing that I think is just like an across the board thing that I'm trying to like tell myself and hopefully can take to other people is give people an opportunity to say yes to you. Trust yourself and give people an opportunity to say yes to what you have to offer. Don't don't remove yourself from the gig before people even have a chance to to hear you because you are able to get in that room for a reason. Um so take take that little bit and use it as fuel to do stuff. So I'm I'm that's 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 what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I love this. So I feel like we've left the viewers and listeners in closing with three terrific pieces of advice. Three advice threads, right? The AI overlords told us Don't be a Don't chicken. be afraid. Don't cheep, be cheap. a chicken. Cheap, 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 cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Michael Massey tells us the importance of being sincere, mm-hmm. being kind, and Elisa Rockdoc closes us out with a little bit of believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in you got yourself. all that, and this podcast is free, folks. I'm telling you. <laughs> Ryan, drop the Venmo. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> My thanks to you, Elisa Rockdoc. Our thanks to producer Lauren, our guest Michael Massey, and thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week. Sleep. 